Welcome to Fandom and Wellness, a podcast about the complex relationship between fandom and mental health. Disclaimer, we are not psychiatrists or psychologists. We are just fangirls with a vested interest in mental health. I'm Arkita. I'm Jenny. And I'm Danielle. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about healthy relationships. So what defines or makes a successful and healthy relationship? I think, well, the first two I want to bring up are communication and boundaries. According to the internet, um, the hotline.org, communication and boundaries are two major components. So when you, communication allows you and your partner to have a deep understanding of each other. And when you are, when you feel comfortable communicating, that's often when you have the best kind of relationship. There's usually a strong sense of, trust between you guys and you're able to discuss everything including very difficult topics i think that bringing it to like fandom really quickly is that um the structure of comedic episodes allow for people in relationships to kind of have a uh, conflict and then resolve it and usually it's by communicating and i'm going to be talking a lot about Benton and Leslie from Parks and Rec throughout this episode because I think they uh, portray a very healthy relationship even though they're very different people because they do a lot of the things that are important in the relationship regarding communication like treating each other with respect, um, listening to each other and compromising. I think compromise is probably one of the biggest biggest like issues that like can come between people. Yeah, um, an inability to compromise and like I like to like I usually visualize it as like two hands reaching toward each other and like if they can't if they stop short of each other they they cannot compromise you know what I mean yeah like um, the Jesus touching that <laughs> <laughs> what exactly <laughs> what I'm saying is that every relationship is like your relationship with God um, oh, oh my god! <laughs> it's it's also funny that they're your main example because we happen to be doing the episode on uh, Galentine's Day, also Palentine's oh, yeah, Day. That's true. I just want to be more inclusive. Um. <laughs> yeah, and like one thing I like about their relationship, and I think a lot, and I like would want that in my own, is that they're friends as well as. Like, uh, partners. Lovers. Yeah, I was like, is lovers a weird word to say? <laughs> also, <laughs> I call my Ben lover. Funny. I- yes, all, all Bens are good. I stand yes. all Bens. <laughs> <laughs> Something very funny that did not click in my head until you just said it is Palentine's Day. Because I understand Valentine's Day and Galentine's Day, but I've been seeing Palentine's Day circulating for like weeks now. And in my head, I totally thought that it was Palpatine that they were talking about. And I'm like, why would you want Palpatine as a val? And I really thought it was pal- like oh Palentine's, like Palpatine, but I was now you know. sorely now incorrect. It's just an effort to be to use uh, more inclusive words. That um, makes sense. Yeah. Um, I like that. And not Palpatine. Makes more sense. Yes. I also um, think that Superman and Lois Lane are really good at communication. Like, I mean, he tells her who he, or, well, 
she kind of figures out who he is and then he brings <laughs> her to like the fortress of solitude mm-hmm. um like there's a big trope with superhero comics and it's like whether or not they tell their partner slash when mm-hmm. they tell their partner um so i just i feel like their relationship throughout the years has had a lot of trust and respect towards each other like clark kent obviously highly respects lois lane mm-hmm. and like is it okay if i bring up a bad example of communication yeah <laughs> um or especially that trope because uh i watched the flash for like a couple seasons and of course they have the trope where iris is not a dumb person and she will be like there's something weird happening yeah. with you, Barry. But like, I felt like Barry was basically gaslighting her because every time she f- figured something out, he'd be like, "No, it's just her imagination or whatever." Yeah. Um. So in that case, I don't. I thought it was a very. It was. It's basically him lying to her, and usually, like with superheroes, you have you kind of have to have that element, um, unless like. They figure it out or whatever, um, but like in that case, it was it felt so much like gaslighting that it made me uncomfortable. Yeah, like <laughs> so, like superheroes' whole thing is like, oh well, if people in my life find out, then other people will find out, and then they'll become under attack. But it's like if right. this is your partner that you're spending your life with, then you need to tell them. Right. For their own safety, if nothing else. And so that they can decide if that's the kind of life that they want. It's not fair to them to live that life. But also, in the comic books, Barry Allen does not tell Iris West that he's the Flash until after they are married, which is right. not cool. Nope. Not. It's like, why am I getting kidnapped? I don't know. Like, that's like, <laughs> at least tell me why I'm getting kidnapped, you know? It's yeah. so annoying. Um, but yeah. Uh, Another really good example of a healthy relationship that has open communication is Zoe and Wash from Firefly. Um, Mm -hmm. They are very open in talking to each other about how they feel, the goals that they want to set. And even though she is technically higher ranking on Serenity, she doesn't hold that over his head. And he, in, in return, respects her for that. It can be a power dynamic if somebody does lord it over your head that you're in a better position or you're making more money. And instead, he chooses to support her and she understands that at the end of the day, she still has to put her her marriage is still a priority. So she's not going to, even though she has this high ranking, she's not going to put everything she has into her job because she wants to have a successful marriage with her husband. And there are so many instances where Mal is demanding things of her. And she's like, I have to care for my husband. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like I think that with a lot of examples in heterosexual romantic relationships within fandoms, it seems to be that like the healthier ones are when the the female partner like has kind of some sort of position of power and the the man is like, showing respect to her and like instead of trying to control her or be jealous of her or anything like that which obviously is the same in real relationships um as a but basically like as opposed to when you see in a fandom when the female partner is just kind of like that superhero's girlfriend Mm -hmm. basically the better the writer writes that person's story i guess is really the point i'm trying to make the more fleshed out they are (laughs) 
the, yeah, like, like the more fleshed out they are. And I think what's so hard is that there's so many phantoms out there that show unhealthy and toxic relationships that when you do actually see one, it's it's a little harder to comprehend it, but it's also so refreshing. And I hate that we have to say, oh, it's refreshing to see a healthy relationship portrayed like in the media because so much of us, like, growing up with these stories or seeing these stories even in our adult lives kind of, like, base things on them and consider them to be couple goals. Yeah, it was so hard for us to find any, like, truly healthy relationships in media because a lot of them are toxic and, like, we talk- talked about in our last episode – um, without uh, without the audience often even realizing it. Yeah, it's also very hard. Um, it's harder, uh, as I was kind of saying before, like like just like watching a film to really get a sense for what someone's relationship is versus like a series or like mm-hmm. like an yeah like like versus like fifty years of like Superman like comic books or, or like you know like five <laughs> right. seasons or whatever however long uh, Parks and Rec was. Yeah, they only really ever capture the romantic part in uh, movies, usually. The actual romancing that, like, ends. And then... It's a whirlwind. It's always a whirlwind. Yeah, it's always a whirlwind. There's often, like we mentioned the last episode, a uh, super high-intensity situation. And also, going back to what you said before about, about the woman needing to be fleshed out, it's like... It's often because they don't have their own storyline yeah. that, like, you don't see a good kind of push and pull between the two people. It's mostly just the sun and the earth revolving around it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. But, like, when there's, a, like, a strong, powerful female character, uh, it's usually... The male usually has their own storyline, too, but... Now they both have their own goals and their own ideas for what they they want their lives to be, and it's not a, it's not just someone pulling the other person along. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, you mentioned couple goals, and there's not fandom, but we've we had Margot on one of our previous episodes, and Margot and her husband are actually couple goals for me. <laughs> um, they're, they're like really amazing. And she gave me um, one of the best words of advice that I've ever been given. And it's basically uh-huh. like, you should never be fighting to win or like fighting uh-huh. to like be right. You should be fighting to resolve. Um, Interesting. Which is okay. very, very, very hard uh, in a marriage um, because you, you, you know, you both always think you're right. <laughs> and most, yeah. most people are pretty stubborn. Um, but basically, like as so- like as soon as you are just trying to like win the argument, you've already lost because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you're not taking that other person's uh, feelings into a- account at all. Yeah, something that I find very helpful, and I'm trying to work on more, uh, not just romantically, but in all relationships, is basically mm-hmm. like. Asking if someone is looking for empathy or advice, like when they come to right. vent to you, because I find mm-hmm. that most of the time people actually just want empathy. And I not, think so and not too. Advice, um, mm-hmm. but a lot of times people don't know what to say and are uncomfortable sitting in those feelings with yeah. people, so they like feel like they have to give advice. <laughs> I think we mentioned this in our grief episode. It's because we, we want to fix the problem. 
But sometimes you can't fix the problem. Exactly. Um, yeah. And and sometimes the person that needs to vent or air their grievances already knows, like, the process or the steps they need to go to fix the problem. But they, like, they have a lot on their mind and a lot, like, weighing them down. They need to get it out. So sometimes it's just easier to listen and be like, man, that sucks. Do you want a hug? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And especially in, like... In, like, romantic relationships where you're, like, with the one person all the time, I find that, like, you tend to try to, like, kind of, like, teach your partner in those situations. Instead of just giving advice, you're, you're, you're almost, like, it's almost like you're trying, it's almost like you're trying to teach them how to be better, like, because mm-hmm. you're, like, this will help them so much. Uh, but, like, <laughs> they, like you, that's not what someone wants to hear in that moment, and it will not, it will not it will not be good. Uh, <laughs> so it's just like, it's like re- basically like realizing like when, when is the right time to say the right things? <laughs> you know what I mean? And like what your partner mm-hmm. like needs to hear to feel better. And I think that, I, I think maybe we'll talk more about the love languages in another episode, but that goes into it. Like knowing what your like partner mm-hmm. wants and which love language speaks to them the most. And communi- communicating that way. Because communication isn't about uh, talking only. It's yeah. about showing you how much you love them with acts of kindness or touch or whatever they like. Mm-hmm. And also listening. Yes. Correct. And like, I think that something, a lot of, obviously a lot of these, a lot of these communication issues have to do with your mental health and like, how you see the world. For example, if you have a habit of projecting uh, onto other people what you think they're thinking about you, uh, and that, and you bring that into a relationship, that can be problematic because sometimes your perception of what other people are thinking is incorrect. Yeah, I. That's that's something that like I when I went to therapy, I had to work on that a lot because that is something that I. I'm constantly doing. I'm always assuming to know how other people feel about me. So like my therapist, my therapist had to be basically like, you need to trust like Ben when he is telling you how he is feeling about you. Like don't put words in his mouth. And so like, I think one of the reasons why our relationship worked out so well was because I basically went into our relationship and like anytime I felt myself trying to project, I wouldn't let myself so impressive where like where like in previous relationships i always did mm-hmm. another really important thing is um to basically rework um the language that you're using to be less about the other person and more about your own capacity like what you can handle so basically like instead of just like being like stop talking to me you would say like oh i don't have the emotional energy for an argument right now mm-hmm. um, so it's less and- of a command uh, it's less of a shutdown. Okay. And more about, like, we can come back to this. Like, I know right. I know that something that, like, with, like, Ben and I, basically, like, because I have, like, severe abandonment issues, so, like, if um our fight results in, like, him walking away, for example, I get very upset to the point where, like, I feel like I can't, like, move past it or do anything until we talk and resolve the argument. So, like, what I've asked of him is to, is, like, if we're having an argument, to basically be like, okay, I need to take a break for X amount of time, 
and then we'll come back and discuss further. And like that helps my brain mm-hmm. a lot. I think a part of that is also the idea that you don't want when it doesn't resolve, you just know it'll come up again. Yeah, definitely. But in general, just like the language that we use is very important. Right. A fandom example of reworking how you speak to your partner, future partner, etc. is Harry Potter. Not specifically Harry Potter, sorry, <laughs> but Ron and Hermione, because throughout the first, be- the beginning of the series, he was not necessarily very kind to her, even though she's literally saved their asses on more than one occasion. <laughs> and it takes a lot of learning on his part to, one, not only realize that he likes her, because I don't know what it's like growing up with seven brothers like he does. Like, I just <laughs> do not. But... Also realizing how he should be communicating with her, because you do see at the at the end of it, they, they do end up having a marriage and relationship together. And even like going into the cursed child, they have a very, I don't want to say typical marriage, <laughs> because it's a very interesting marriage, but they are happy with each other. And it all comes from like, him having to learn how to communicate to her and also not be a total asshole to her. Not pull her pigtails. <laughs> not pull, yeah, just, uh, yes. Yeah, uh, very good example. Um, so the next thing we want to talk about is, um, it's, it's basically kind of like on the border of boundaries and communication. Uh, it's about psychological boundaries. And basically, uh, I love this podcast called Love Link which is mm-hmm. by Sina Simone and Simone Humphrey. Sina Simone is actually who was my therapist in New York. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. So it's funny. That I just, I listen to her podcast now instead of going to her as a therapist. Or, <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Um, so there was an episode. Free therapy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish. Um, there's an episode. I highly recommend you listen to it. It's only like a half hour long called Boundaries um, with Dr. Amelia Kaplan Romanowski. Um, and on it, they're kind of talking about like protective versus containment boundaries. Uh, and I just, I found the whole thing to be so incredibly interesting. And both Ben and I have listened to it several times. Uh, so it's like really helped me realize basically like how different communication how, how how different two different people's communication styles can be within a relationship and how deeply that impacts the relationship and how if you just try harder to understand the other person the other person's communication style and their boundaries then that will like greatly they'll greatly improve your relationship so like they obviously go much more into this in the episode but um just to, like kind of summarize it basically like protective and listening boundaries they basically protect you from what other people are saying so like if you have bad boundaries, which I do, uh, <laughs> you basically like <laughs> over-personalize everything and like blame yourself for things or get easily hurt. So like, like I like I always think everyone hates me, even though they don't. So like <laughs> that's mm-hmm. like an example of that. Um, yeah. Good boundaries would be take good boundaries. Would, this is like very hard. Um, you're taking responsibility for your behavior and impact on others without feeling ashamed. It's very hard to... That's hard. Yes. It's easy for me to take responsibility for my behavior and impact, but it's not easy to do that without being like, you know... It almost feels impossible. <laughs> yes. That's it's ex- that's extremely difficult to do. You'll see... I, I feel like you'll see this a lot with like... Um, 
like social justice conversations where people are trying to be allies, but they fell short. And instead of just like giving like a really good apology, they'll have to include something to make the people feel a little bit bad for them. I understand what you're saying. It's like you're apologizing, but like while you're apologizing, you're like, I know I suck. And instead of it's like, yes, that self deprecation of yourself kind of lessens the apology. Yes. Because it feels like now that other person has to like be like, no, it's okay. You're really not when it's more meaningful for you to own up and be like, this is how I can be better instead of saying I'm a shitty person because it, it it's not solving anything. Yeah, that's that's like I think the best scenario that I can like think of for like like currently what's going on definitely. <laughs> um, so then the containment or speaking boundary it basically protects you from saying or doing things you'll regret. So it's like that voice in your head that's like yo don't do that. Uh, <laughs> so like uh, <laughs> yeah, so like bad speaking boundaries would be like yelling or like fits of anger and rage, cursing. I mean, you know, cursing like for you know shitty reasons, <laughs> not not just not, like, like cursing <laughs> at them and yeah, yeah, like, cursing at someone like aggressively. Um, sarcasm is also on that list because it forces the listener to try to understand what the speaker means. And like in good boundary work, you're actually trying to just be very clear with your intentions. Right. right. Yeah. So good speaking boundaries would be basically speaking from the I and not the you. And asking someone if it's a good time to talk and like being diplomatic. I don't, does this like fall under this where you, especially when you don't know whether someone knows something, you ask them if they know it instead of just saying it like yes. they don't already or know it? Or assuming they know it? Yeah. Like right. I, th- I think like a good, I think um, a good example would be like um, instead of saying like, oh, like, well, like you hate me. To be like, well, I, f- I feel like, I, like, like right now I'm uh, like, I'm feeling like you hate me or something like that, which right. is, I, I know it sounds almost like it's the same thing, but it's not. Cause one is like, mm-hmm. like just ex- like, it's expressing what you're feeling and like, it might not be true. Like the person might not actually hate you. Right. So they can have right. some space to be like, I, I don't like, I'm sorry you feel that way or, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry for making you feel that way or whatever. Um, that makes sense. I like that when I talk about, like, opinions in general. Like, if someone says, this band sucks versus I think this band sucks, mm-hmm. I feel much more offended when they say this band sucks. Because yeah. it makes it sound like it's universal. Yes. And everyone thinks that. Yeah. Also, good example. Um, so on the episode, they also talked about being over-boundaried versus under-boundaried. And th- this is... I mean, I'm I'm gonna do a, a puffcast episode with Ben specific, specifically about this, where mm-hmm. he talks about being overboundaried and I talk about being underboundaried. Um, so when right. you're overboundaried, that means you basically have like walls up around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, <laughs> so basically like feelings uh, and like and clarity and stuff are not coming in or out. Like it seems like you're not listening. You're isolated. You're shut down. Um, oftentimes, you like the reason why you. I guess people are this way is because like their family setting, uh, they didn't ex- like their parents like didn't express feelings. They just kind of like shut down when they were angry at their kids instead of like talking to them about it. Um, whereas with underboundaried, everything goes in and out, <laughs> which <laughs> yeah. is like you're like very overly emotional, which is how I am. Um, 
which usually when that happens is because your upbringing had very chaotic boundaries. Like sometimes things were very strict, but then sometimes were just like spankings or like fits of rage. Just like mm-hmm. things are just like you, you, you couldn't understand what was going on. Going off of boundaries, some tools to help cultivate good boundaries within your relationships are going from reactive behavior to adult behavior. Um, understanding that things aren't black and white because sometimes, you know, both people are right and they're just not seeing each other's point of view. And they're, that's one of the, that's one place where you kind of have to make compromise and end up in a gray area because not everything in life is, is black and white. Yeah, I'm here. I'm yellow. <laughs> oh my god, Jenny! Jenny. I did not, Jenny. Oh, that took me a hot second. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um, uh, another thing I mentioned earlier is that ideas are observations, not facts. Um, often, what you see as the truth is not the truth for everybody. And also, it's it's a, also a good idea to talk about things when everyone is calm, uh, not when everyone's emotions are heightened, um, because it's easy to go from angry to super angry, (laughs) (laughs) and harder to go from angry to calm or or understanding. (laughs) Definitely. Um, Another good one, especially if you um, are overboundaried, would be sharing yourself when you want to withdraw. And staying connected when you feel upset. Um, so basically, like what I was describing earlier, like timeouts and space for yourself are totally fine, but just completely shutting down and not being willing to talk anymore is not good. <laughs> so, other things to keep in mind when building good boundaries is not saying something bad or negative, even though you really want to. Also, don't wait until you're already in the situation to change it. So the example that they give on the episode is if you tend to go home with men when you um, go to the bar or like on the first date or whatever, and you hate that about yourself, then you need to like work on not doing that before just mm-hmm. like being in that moment and then hating yourself in that moment. Right. And then the last one is know how to be good in self-care. Because that is a personal responsibility. Because I think at the end of the day, you're still two different individuals. You both have different needs. And you can't rely on your partner to meet every single need. Because that is, one, very codependent. (laughs) And two, it's it ends up becoming exhausting to have to be that person for, even if you, no matter how much you love them, like, it's going to... It's going to exhaust you both, and you have to be able to find things that you love and you enjoy doing, or even, like, self-care isn't even always something fun. Sometimes it's really hard to do it, but you have to be able to do that so that way when you bring yourself back to the relationship, you at least are in a better state of mind or a better state of being able to meet someone else's needs that's not Mm self-care. I say to people a lot that I feel like people are either um, sleep people or food people. Like, (laughs) I, if I don't get to eat when I need to eat, I become very hangry and emotionally tired and physically tired and just, like, I just can't do anything. Whereas, like, Ben, if he doesn't get enough sleep, he gets very, like, upset for the whole day. I know, Jenny, you're a both person, but... (laughs) 
But I feel like I, I just feel like a lot of people are like lean more to the one or the other. Like, right. so like if you know you're someone who has like those, for example, like I know that I need to like if we're going and sleeping somewhere, like I know I need to bring like a little something for me to eat in the morning in case I wake up earlier than everyone else. Preparation. Yep. And understanding that boundaries are more about how we feel about something and less about what the person actually did. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's so hard to really like, I feel like that's so hard to explain to your partner, especially if it's when you're upset. Um, mm-hmm. That it's like, okay, look, it's less about the action that just happened and more about like my traumatic past with how I have like felt about this thing. Right. Just because that doesn't bother someone else or yourself doesn't mean it doesn't bother your partner. Yeah, exactly. I feel like, um, I don't know if you guys have ever read Fables, which is like a comic book series from 2000s or something. It was when I was working at St. Mark's Comics. Um, But there's like, there's like 25 trades or something like that. Which is a, yeah, I've a, heard of it a lot. Um, Guess what I'm gonna download. <laughs> it's real. Co- you will you will love it because you love Disney. Um, it's it's basically like um, the public domain like Disney characters, okay. <laughs> so, like Snow White and so, um, Cinderella yeah. and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah, two of the main characters, Snow White and Bigby Wolf, who's based on the Big Bad Wolf, um, who by this time is able to be more human like. He basically looks like a human unless he wants to turn into a wolf, kind of like uh, Lupin style. Uh, <laughs> they like they are a really, really good couple who they're not together in the first couple issues, but then they get together and like they do a really good job showing like how they respect each other's boundaries. Nice. Yeah, I, I feel like just a couple other things about boundaries is that um, it's kind of about giving each other space also to be their your individual person. I think we kind of mentioned that. So allowing your partner to spend time with their friends and family, not being obsessive about checking up on who they're with and where they are. Yeah. I will say a really good example about giving each other space to have their own individual hobbies. 100% is Morticia and Gomez from the Adams family. Yes. But they are also That like, is ultimate couple's goals. Yes, they are the the ultimate of couple's goals if there ever was one outside <laughs> of Bob and Linda, but I'm sorry, I'm very biased towards Bob's burgers. I love them. <laughs> but they both I forget what their hobbies are, but like he loves fencing and playing with swords and she loves gardening in her garden of death and they understand that these are the things that make them happy without each other, but they are still willing to give each other that time and space to do. I think at one point, Morticia tries to join like a group of women like in the neighborhood, which I think it's like very hilarious because she is she's trying to make friends with the woman in the neighborhood. And yes, she is very much radically different, but it's something she wanted to do. And he's like, I support you fully. Go do it. And the same thing with her. I feel like that resonates with me a lot because I did end up, I am dating someone now and I've shown them my schedule. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, go do it. And I'm like, 
you sure <laughs> you're not gonna see me for like a week and a half he's like i and it, again he's like i support you and what you're doing i understand that this takes a lot of time and it makes you happy i don't want you to not be able to do things you enjoy like sewing cosplaying we're gonna cosplay together now or even nice. just like seeing your friends and going to work like he understands and respects that i have those boundaries and i have those interests same with him he really likes playing video games and i do not <laughs> i just don't know anything about them enough yeah and i i get so tired of seeing those tropes of like angry girlfriend doesn't let their boyfriend play video games i'm like it's fun for them like just let the, like it's harmless fun like it's so long as they're playing it at a somewhat healthy amount. Because I know we're all people. We all stay up late and do things. Like, what does it matter if they stay up late playing video games so long as they know that you're together and they you still work together on that relationship? I'm going to talk about Leslie and Ben some more because um, they are such unique individuals in their own right. Uh, ben is, like, super fucking nerdy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> loves accounting. Um, and, like... Leslie doesn't get any of that shit, but like she gets her gets him a, a Game of Thrones, yeah, <laughs> a throne of games, and like <laughs> pre- pretends and like bro pl- plays with him even though she does it badly, and <laughs> he doesn't like super get for example why her and the rest of Pawnee is so obsessed with little Sebastian, but like <laughs> he'll su- support her, um. Like, there's, like, all these little things that, like, they're so different from each other, but they are very, very supportive of each other. And, like, when she runs for the various political roles, he is always there every step of the way, even when it does not benefit him. Because he he takes his whole life into account and what his own goals are. And a lot of the time, his goal is to support Leslie. And I love that. Yeah, and I something I hate. The only thing I hate about that is that, like, in like, in the in the real world, <laughs> instead of like uh, TV shows and stuff, if that when that scenario happens, when like a woman is like doing really well, like in charge, whatever, and their partner is like being very supportive of them and whatnot, oftentimes the man is labeled like like weak and submissive towards mm-hmm. them and the woman is like a quote unquote bitch. A bitch or like she wears the man and yeah. the, the man she wears the, the pants, she wears the and pants the in the relationship. She wears the man, oh my god. <laughs> so she wears the skin <laughs> suit wears the of man. the man. <laughs> oh, oh no <laughs> Sorry. Oh no my and brain is and not like, functioning. <laughs> And like, like something I hear a lot is like, oh well, like he's just going along with everything that she wants. Like, sh- like she's completely controlling the relationship. Because like, basically, like if if a relationship is healthy and a woman is able to like also like express her opinions and a, and a man in a heterosexual a heterosexual relationship is supporting her and just like looking at her with giant fucking hard eyes, then it's just like. It's just not seen as the same way if the role was reversed. You know what's funny is that there's a scene in Parks and Rec where basically uh, Leslie is have doing some speech and some men men's rights activists come and like 
yell at her for like dominating her husband or whatever and it and like they're like free him and like <laughs> he talks and he's like i fully support her in everything she does and um she's like yeah men's right is nothing it is literally nothing um, and I'm like, hell yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, f- fun fact, the main uh, men's rights guy in that scene is Chris Gethard, who is, uh, uh, I love him so much. He's a stand-up comedian in New York and has his own podcast based on mental health. And he oh, has really? like, <laughs> yeah, uh, Beautiful Anonymous. And um, he did a HBO special about his um, mental health, about his like depression uh um, called Career Suicide uh-huh. that I highly recommend checking out. Okay. And he is not a men's rights uh, activist yes. at all. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, just I love that. Just a little fun fact. <laughs> God, yeah, Parks and Rec is so good. Uh, yeah, so some other boundaries things are, uh, yeah, uh, don't abuse technology to check on a partner it's like don't look at someone else's phone without their permission uh don't like have access to like their emails and shit without their permission there has to be a level of trust in the relationship and if you feel as though you're getting to that point where you have to encroach on their privacy you should have a, a conversation with them and also doing that is very creepy and you're already breaking like Every conduct, code of conduct of trust that you can have in a relationship. Yeah. Uh, trust each other to, and not require the partner to check in. I think when we see, when we say check in, it's more of like when you're in a very unhealthy or toxic relationship where they're like, I have to know where you are every minute of the day. Like, what time yeah. did you get to work? What time did you leave work? What time did you get on the train? How long did it take you to drive from here to there? Like, basically, in a healthy relationship, you won't have to obsessively. Yes check in yeah Yeah, because i know because like there are definitely scenarios when you need to check in right for for example last year when i went away to paris this was like the beginning stage of me dating my non-boyfriend i just like randomly messaged him be like hey so i'm going to a protest he's like wait what you're in a different country and i'm like well i'd rather be protesting against sexual violence against women than doing anything else like why would I just sit around and not doing anything? And he goes, please be safe. I need just like, it. instead of being like, you need to tell me where you're going or like every hour checking in on you or even just saying, I don't want you to go. He's like, be safe. Let me know where you are or like when you get home safe. And I was like, thank you for understanding that. And also thank you for not trying to stop me. Yeah, definitely. Um, which goes into the next one, which is do not pressure the other to do things they don't want to do. Just also don't uh, try to force them not to do things they do want to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Another really big one is don't uh, constantly accuse the other of cheating or being unfaithful, which I think if you have bad boundaries is really, really hard because you're always, you know, worried some awful shit's happening. Mm-hmm. You have to trust your partner. Unless, I mean, unless they're giving you reasons not to trust them, but in a, in a healthy relationship. <laughs> right. Obviously, a huge one is, you know, uh, physical boundaries, meaning like enthusiastic consent. This is when you get to check in. Uh, yes. <laughs> to, to make sure your partner, uh, even if you're in the middle of sex, still wants to be having sex with you. 
Yes. And it is okay. And if you are in the middle of sex and you are no longer enjoying it because sex should be about both people enjoying this, it is okay to say no. Yeah, I've never understood um, coercion. Why would you want to have to convince someone to have sex with you? Like, I don't... Because what you want is more important. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know, it's just me trying to... I know. Understand. Everyone, people are different. People are different. That's very true. (laughs) Um, I think we covered a lot of the different signs of a healthy relationship, but um, other stuff I wanted to mention is that uh, you and your partner are on the same page in in terms of your basic values and your life goals. Mm -hmm. So you know what you want out of life, you have common goals, and you are committed to achieving these together. Just like everything I mentioned about Ben and Leslie working together to accomplish both their work and their personal goals. They want kids? They're going to get their triplets, baby. (gasps) Yeah, like, I think Carl and Ellie from Up would be a good example of that. Like, they decide they want to go on that big trip together, and so they're, they're like, constantly Ah! putting little money in the jar. Yeah. Um, And they... They build their house together and... Like, throughout all the stages of their relationship, their friendship into marriage, they've always been communicative with each other, even though Carl does not speak as much. (laughs) Ellie does most of the speaking, but she's able to... She she articulates what she wants, and he seems like he doesn't want too much except to make her happy, which is very sweet. But they both have these goals together, which is get married, have a house, have kids, and it's... It is very heartbreaking that she does end up passing away before they reach their dream goal together. But they've always yeah. been on the same page about about where they are in their relationship. Yes, because they have tons of photos together on the same page. Ah, no, <laughs> literally. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, and the uh, an other signs that you're in a healthy relationship are you spend quality time together doing things that are mutually fulfilling uh, in addition to the being separate and doing your own individual thing you encourage each other to grow and change and inspire each other to be better people I think Jeannie that's- and Eleanor, good place yes, huh? yes queen <laughs> yes that's so-, so true, that's a perfect example of that Yep, literally what the whole show is about. <laughs> God, that show's good. Yeah, we're going to do an episode on that show. Just trying to find the perfect guest. <laughs> also, when you respect each other's differences, even if you disagree on important issues. Yeah, that's um, really hard. And of course, when you share realistic expectations of the relationships, because it's easy, especially with media nowadays, or with media in general, to think about the perfect relationship disney and like <laughs> not nowadays <laughs> <laughs> and each of you contributing your fair share to the relationships whatever that is because your strengths and abilities are for the benefit of the team and i say this knowing that it's not always going to be 50 50 in the relationship sometimes it's 80 20 and sometimes it's your partner is not doing well and it's falling to you to kind of pick things up it's up to you to kind of pick things up when it's not going to be equal and hope that 
when the time comes, if anything is coming down on you, that your partner is also going to be there to support you. Because like any relationship, it's a it's a give and take, and it's not always going to be equal every single time. I also have heard this really good advice from um, Justin McElroy from My Brother, My Brother and Me. He says, always give 60% if you're able, because then then you're both giving more more than 50%. In that way, you're a- always able to reach a compromise. That makes sense. If you if your earlier relationships were healthy relationships, it's easier for you to like kind of search that out, I think. It's just it's just easier to know like how to be in healthy relationships, but if your earlier relationships were um traumatic, in any way, I feel like mm-hmm. it's easier to fall into repeat traumatic relationships. Um, so, like me, for example, like I've only been in bad relationships or what I, or what I call non relationships. Uh, <laughs> so, like, um, so like now that I'm in a healthy relationship, a lot of times it is really hard to not fuck up. If that makes any sense, yeah. It's like you have to form new patterns. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You you really do. Like a lot of times like I I'm just expecting things to like go really wrong. Like to be blunt, like sometimes like when Ben and I are fighting, like I'll scream or whatever and he does not ever raise his voice to me ever. And he's said to me before, he's like, "Would this be easier for you if I screamed back at you?" And of course I I like start crying and say like, "No." Um, and he, like, he understands that it's because, like, that is what I have been used to. Just, like, any type of, um, like, any type of, like, small fighting escalates to, like, very aggressive fighting in past relationships. So I'm just, so it's hard for my brain to not think that's what will happen. Right. So it's a lot of work for me to be like, that's not what's happening here. So take it down a notch. (laughs) <laughs> or like, or like, or, or like I said before, like we a lot of times we'll just chill. We'll, yeah, a lot of times yeah. like we'll be like, okay, like we need uh, space for like a little bit, and then let's come back to the conversation. Yeah. So I think a lot of times people do need a third party Hell to kind of yeah. mediate. Hell yeah, couples <laughs> therapy, do it early. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, you don't even need to have, like, huge problems to do couples therapy, I don't think. No. No, you do not. And you don't need to be married to do it. You can do it before. The success rate is much higher the earlier you do it. Mm-hmm. Matt and I went to couples therapy for a couple sessions. Um, because, like, I mean, we got married, moved across the country, so, like, we don't have very many friends. We got littermate puppies on top of our seven-year-old dog. We bought a house. I own a small business. He is a teacher. Like it sounded like you were you were playing a game of how much stress can we fit into one year? Yeah. Like <laughs> it's it's a lot. Like so it's just like of like of course you end up taking those things out on your partner if you're overloading yourself like that. Um so it's just like it's just good to have like a third party who is non-judgmental, who you can just kind of, like, tell what is happening to. And they can be like, okay, well, like, let's workshop how you're talking to each other and try to find, like, a different way to talk to each other and see how that works or, like, just, like, little helpful things like that. 
Right. That you just like can't do when it's just the two of you. And obviously this person should be impartial and not side with one of you. Yeah, like your your couple's therapist like should not be either of your individual therapist if you were seeing mm-hmm. an individual therapist. The job of a couple's therapist is not to take someone's side. It's to help you like realize you you both need to like compromise. <laughs> mhm. Yeah, um, apparently like 70% of relationships have shown improvement after couples counseling. Counselors who use emotionally focused therapy, also known as EFT, uh, apparently the success rate is about 90%. Wow. Yeah, that's really high. Um, And EFT works by helping a couple understand and reorganize their emotional responses to things. So by working with their emotional cycles, a couple can come to a greater understanding of each other, and this can help them create new cycles of interaction. So it sounds like what you were saying, like, like rewiring your mind almost. And like stopping things before they escalate. Yes. Because I think a lot of the times, that's the thing about patterns, right? As soon as you start on it, you're like, you, it's so easy to just go along with it. Yeah. Because you yeah. you know it, it's uh, Absolutely. like clockwork, but of any habits in general. It takes, it takes a bit of unlearning to do because when you were in these like very unhealthy non-relationships, toxic relationships you were basically learning how to survive or like yeah trying to find coping mechanisms to survive being in that relationship and now that you're in this healthy relationship with somebody your brain still is telling you that you have to behave certain ways to survive when instead you have to like unlearn and retrain yourself on ways to thrive because you want to be able to both thrive in this relationship because it's good for you and it's good for your partner and yeah. It's called PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> um, yeah. I, um, be- because I know how much my husband loves me, like in this relationship, I am able to, and I do in my head sometimes when we're arguing, I will say, like, this person loves you and you love this person. And so sometimes it will help me just like, just like all of a sudden, like stop arguing and be like, how are you? Or like, like if it looks like sad or something, just be like, mm-hmm. you know, like, I'm like, I'm sorry that I've caused you to feel sad or whatever. Yeah. I mean, something I've said to people, um, just in general in life when they're kind of like being shitty to other people is like, does this make you feel good? Most of the time people will say no. And you're just like, okay, well, why don't you just like remind yourself that it doesn't make you feel good. And then maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe you won't say it, but that's boundary work. I don't know. I know a lot of people like don't go to therapy because of the cost for it. PS, you know, vote for a candidate who wants Medicare for all. Uh, But also, um, just like licensed marriage or family therapists usually cost 20 to 40% less than a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And also, nice. typically, if you're going to couples therapy versus individual therapy for a problem related to you as a couple, it takes a third fewer sessions to help um, get your marriage back on track or relationship back on track. I mean, like, yes, like sometimes marriage counseling does work in the opposite and it um 
it basically gives the individuals um, the courage to basically end their relationship. But I personally don't think that's a bad thing. Like a lot of people are like, okay, well, like half of marriage ends in divorce, which actually isn't a correct statistic anymore. It's less than that. But it's just like, well, previously marriages didn't end in divorce because like your grandpas were beating your grandmas and they were staying with them because they had to. And mm-hmm. now wives are leaving. They're like, okay, like I'm not dealing with this shit. Right. Or just in general, not to make it gendered, but like abuse victims are leaving or just people who are unhappy. Like people who are just like realizing like this was not the marriage for me. Like the, like we do not work as a couple. They they're leaving and that's fucking fine. Yeah. Like I don't think that should be as shamed as it is. Um okay, do we have anything else we want to say about healthy relationships? Mm, who's your favorite couple? Bob and Linda. Yeah, I mean we could have brought them up several times like oh, so um I really like Bob and Linda because they get to keep their own identity. Uh they're they're very much <laughs> Like, like Bob is Bob and Linda is Linda. Is yeah. Linda like Bob? Like, <laughs> like Bob oddly loves to garden, and Linda likes to take poops in fancy hotel bathrooms. And you know what? They make it work. They love each other for it. They don't just make each other work. They love each other so much. Like I, I'm always laughing because like you know, Linda is always like sing talking and stuff, and Bob just like. He's just, like, giggling to himself while, like, looking at her with, like, I love you eyes. And, like, relatable. (laughs) I think one of the things that we did leave out in a healthy relationship is that you grow together because they've now been together 14, 15 years. And even if you're a couple just starting out, like, people change over time. And it's it's not necessarily a bad thing, like you grow as a person you have you experience new things in life like personalities change the way you think changes as so long as you're willing to like grow and be a part of that then i don't see anything wrong yep yeah uh harley and ivy also they like i mean harley's changed a lot as a character throughout the years um and ivy has been there for her and they are now canon yes I guess the uh, yeah. I guess the only thing, other thing I would that I would want to say is like just like impact versus intent. Like just because you mean to be saying something in a certain way, it doesn't mean that's what your partner is hearing. Yeah, I I always think that impact is more important than intent. Yes, uh, for for most of my life, I have felt that intent was more important, but. Being married and spending every single day with the same person, I'm realizing impact is more important. The last thing I wanted to add, I found this online. Um, Robin from Geek Girl Brunch had shared it on Instagram. I'm just going to quickly list off some of the things I saw and the one thing that really stood out to me. So this is what conscious coupling looks like. A lot of the stuff we've already said, but the one that really stuck out to me was... Number four was relationships are not there to save or fix us. They are safe spaces of mutual evolution. I think it's important to understand that getting into a relationship isn't going to fix. I mean, it could, but that shouldn't be the reason you're getting in a relationship. Isn't going to fix your financial, mental living situations. Like you must be, you have to be getting into a relationship because this person makes you happy and you want to grow 
with this person, not because you think they're going to solve your problems. Because if you go into it with that mindset, it's it's only going to devolve from there. Because you cannot rely on another person, especially someone that you want to be very romantic with, to fix your problems for you. Because that is, there are your problems and you should be finding the proper self-care to to solve those issues you have. Yeah, so I basically... Yeah, so I was seeing Ben while I was in therapy. And before that, I was pretty suicidal. And at my wedding, which was like only six months after Ben and I started dating, my parents both separately, because they don't talk to each other, um, thanked Ben for like saving my life. And <laughs> it's like, look, I love like I love Ben with every, you know, ounce of my body and brain but like what saved my life was therapy and right what made it so that i could be with someone who i was able to believe loved me was therapy yeah not the other way around so right. <laughs> so like 100 percent, what robin is saying like your your partner isn't going to save you like you that's not a thing and also that's like it's like pretty offensive to say to someone because it's like okay like therapy is a lot yeah. of fucking work and like you made it basically seem as if like my partner magically whooshed me away. They Disney like, like a fucking Disney. Yeah, yeah. I gotta say like a Disney prince. <laughs> Probably. So my family has bad boundaries. Um. <laughs> yeah. Another thing. Um. I mean, we didn't talk about like sexual things too much, other than just like enthusiastic consent. Um. Or like romance or whatever, but something that really helps me is like, like especially if Ben and I are having a hard time, is if we like sit, take some time to literally just like sit with each other and just like compliment each other or just like say what we love about each other. Because like, like we tell each other we love each other every day, but it's it's hard to be like, okay, this is a thing that I definitely need to just like sit here and just hear like a list of like, this is why I love you so much. I think it also it helps to vocalize why you're in this relationship and not why you're in just like any yes, relationship. Exactly. Yeah, like what I specifically love about being with you. Okay. Well, thank you so much for listening. Please take a moment to subscribe, review, and rate us. It's the easiest way to help support our podcast. If you leave a five-star review, we might pick it up and read it on air. If you want to chat with us about the episode, our social medias are Fandom and Wellness on Instagram. Fandom and Wellness on Facebook. And Fandom Wellness on Twitter. You can also find me at Classy Rebel Design on Instagram. Uh, me at Fan Mailbox on Instagram. And you can find me at Little Petal on Instagram. And if you want bonus content, join our fandom family at patreon.com forward slash fandom and wellness for Patreon exclusive geek sessions. And remember, be kind and take no shit. Burr, 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 burr.